0: ushered right into the presence of God. Isn't music a marvelous thing? Great job, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's always a wow, isn't it? Oh, Michael, great job. Thank you. I'm Lance Hurley. I'm the executive director for Ignite Church Plan. We start Christian churches around Chicagoland. It is a pleasure to be here with you again today at, at Westridge. Uh, The next couple of weeks, we're going to uh, be talking about something that is key to developing a stronger relationship with Jesus, all revolving around one word. The word is follow. Uh, I love the line of that song. Uh, We're never designed to stand in one place, are we? Christian life is all about moving and movement. Well, we're accustomed to following things, aren't we? I mean, the other night, I made macaroni and cheese. I followed the instructions on the box, right? I, talked, I was talking to my mom while I was making this. My mom's a great cook. She said, oh, did you make it from scratch? And I said, come on, mom, right, right? I can follow instructions, though. Well, sometimes. Okay, I can follow instructions. Last week, I was in Miami looking at a, at a church plant for a guy I coached, and uh, I have never been to Miami before, and so I followed the instructions on my phone. It's amazing. She got me exactly where I needed to be, okay? I can follow. Have you ever put together easy-to-assemble furniture? By the way, those instructions lie, right, right? Okay, we all are accustomed to following, though. I'll tell you what, when Jesus began to gather people into his sphere of influence, he did so using two words. You know what he said? He would say, follow me, follow me it's a primal call the master very specific very simple and yet i think all of us who have uh, who have followed jesus recognize it's very complex and challenging at times right so this call though continues to be issued from the master to people today and i also recognize that following does begin with a specific mindset let me tell you a story. About 40 years ago, in 1968, at the Olympics in uh, Mexico City, Tanzanian John Stephen Aquari finished last in the marathon. An hour after Ethiopia's man, Mano Waldi had claimed the gold medal, with only a few thousand left in the Olympic Stadium, Aquari came through the tunnel toward the track. See, at one point in the race, he had fallen and badly injured his right knee. Medics had urged him to quit, say, hey, you're not just quit he refused as he approached the track he broke into a painful jog hobbling as he went along he received a smattering of applause but when people began to realize what was happening here on the track they began to applaud louder and louder and louder they began to stand to their feet until everybody in the stadium who was left was applauding this man who was hobbling toward the finish line now later when he was asked why he refused to drop out given his severe injury Here's what he said. My country did not send me 11,000 kilometers to start the Olympic marathon. They sent me here to finish it. Mindset. Why did he keep moving? Because he was focused on the reason he came. See, following Jesus, I believe, begins with the mindset of focus. What are we going to look at? who are we going to look at as we're running this journey of life i go back to that primal call follow me recognize this is a this is a challenge and invitation jesus extended to many people and we're able to see different responses to his invitation in the in the bible some said "Um, no i think i'm gonna wait for a better offer honestly they said that to the master Others said, well, let me take care of my situation first, and then I'll think about this. Okay? And still others, they looked at the offer, and they said, um, "Now nah, the cost is too high. I just don't see the return on investment here for me. Right? I mean, that's what, they, that's what we see. Jesus continues to say, follow me. Follow me. But, but I recognize something. Sometimes things get in the way. I brought my hearing protection with me today. Now, these are good ones. They, they block out real, real sharp sounds, but they let other sounds in. Now, the problem is, when I'm wearing these, I really can't hear anything. I can hear myself talking. I'm assuming you can hear me talking, right? Now, here's the deal. I've encountered people just like this. Maybe you have, too. When it comes to the call of Jesus coming to them, they simply can't hear them. Uh, they're blocked from hearing them. Now, maybe something's happened to them in the past, maybe they have a bad experience. I don't know what it is. But but people just can't hear them. It, it's not getting through. The sad thing is, is I recognize as a follower of Jesus, sometimes I get the same way. And the more I tune him out, the softer his. I don't want this to happen to myself. I don't want it to happen to anybody. Now, there are plenty of things that can can block the voice of Jesus out, but that's not what we want. So today and next week, we're going to look at following Jesus. And and it begins today, we'll look at one word, focus, focus. Let me read the passage we're going to look at today. It's found in Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Hebrews in the New Testament toward the end of the book. Now, let me give you a little background here. The word therefore points us back to the chapter ahead of this. The chapter ahead of Hebrews 12, Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter of the Bible. And it details the lives of people who chose to live trusting God. Men and women who just put it all on the line and said, I trust you, I'm going to follow you, whatever you say. Okay? And that's what he's saying here. You're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, people who have already run this race. The idea is that of a stadium and a race taking place in front of them. You've already, people have already run this race, they've shown you it can be done, so keep running. They're an example for us that should provide encouragement. Now, I was in the gym uh, not too long ago, and I heard a personal trainer talking to his client who was running on the treadmill. And here's what he's saying, okay, here we go, it's Joanna Smith, Joanna Smith running the race, she's running the race all the way to the end, She she was going like this, she was very embarrassed. Okay, I could tell that. But she started smiling. He said, come on, she can do it, she can do it, all the way to the end. And something I realized, she ran. She finished her workout to completion. There's something that happens when we encourage, isn't there? And that's what the, that's what the writer says here. We've got some encouragement pushing us forward, getting us moving. The, the writer wants us to develop spiritual vitality, energy, bounce. Have you ever seen those hair, hair shampoo commercials? Okay. The lady has hair that's kind of listless and drooping. And she puts the shampoo on. And all of a sudden her hair is bouncy. Now I don't know much about hair. <laughs> Some things are rather obvious, right? Okay, But, <laughs> and by the way, that's the last, this is the last hair advice you're going to get from me today, okay? But here's what I know. When we have a life following Jesus, many people, and I've I've seen this before, they're kind of lifeless and listless. And Jesus says, I want my people, my followers, to be bouncy, to be filled with energy and vitality. (laughs) Right? I, I was reading a book one time, and the author was talking about uh, something he experienced when he was in uh, Spain. He picked up this Sprite can, and on the Sprite can were these words, Otra Dia, Otra Aventura. And uh, he, he looked, what does that mean? Well, it means another day, another adventure. Again, what that song said, we're not designed to sit in one place. There are mountains ahead. We have adventure in front of us, and as followers of Jesus, we're supposed to have some some jazz okay some excitement some energy what's it take well the writer tells us first of all it's all about focus and here's what he says fix your eyes on jesus now when it comes to focus i I think of sports okay because sports are really all about focus in particular this sport here okay I, i was doing some reading on on baseball This is the only. This is almost impossible sport because you're hitting a round object with a cylindrical object. Okay, it's very. It's almost impossible, especially when you hear these things. So I was, I was watching, a batter as the pitcher pitched to him. Okay, everything's in slow motion. Okay, the pitcher throws the ball toward the plate. Okay, now, here's what here's what's taking place as the pitcher throws. The batter has one thing he has to look at. Okay, every coach says this to his players when he's in little league. Keep your what. Okay, you guys know it. You you guys know it. Okay, here's what's taking place, okay, though. A batter takes 100 milliseconds to find the ball coming out of the pitcher's hands. Okay? Then there's 75 milliseconds that are taking place to identify the spin of the ball. So is it a curveball? Is it a slider? Is it a fastball? And then there's a 50 millisecond period where he has to determine whether or not he's going to swing his bat, whether it's in the strike zone or not. And I played baseball all through college, okay? And I look at those stats, and I'm thinking, why did I even play, right? Okay, That's impossible, right? It's, it's less than four-tenths of a second to determine whether you're going to swing the bat or not. And the best hitters can do it three times out of ten, put the bat on the ball. How in the world can a batter hit the ball? You fix your eyes on the ball. You look at one thing and one thing only. Because if you take your eyes off the ball, it's by you. I was shooting arrows one afternoon in my backyard uh, doing some some practice. My grandson was with me, okay? Is he a good-looking boy or what, okay? Yeah, he's been with us all weekend, and uh, I'm really tired, okay? Yeah, he's he's five years old, okay? Yeah, that, that explains a lot, right? Okay? So I, I asked him, I said, "When grandpa's shooting arrows, what does he look at?" He looked at me and said, "Oh, the target, grandpa. okay a four year old understands that, right? you've got to shoot at what you're looking at, okay or you've got to look at what you're shooting at, right? The target we choose is what we're going to point our life and our attention our focus toward. See, following Jesus really does begin with focus and the right focus, fix your eyes. On Jesus, simply put, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I mean, what might happen if every day we started a day with a focus time? We just said, Lord, before my feet hit the ground, before my feet hit the ground, Lord, help me look at you today. What do you want me to do as I interact with people? Who do you want me to reach out to? Help me see. Do you think a practice like this might revolutionize how we live? I know it helps me. I was reading about Abraham Lincoln. I was reminded of a practice he had when it came to responding in anger to others. After he died, in his death drawer, they found a number of letters that he had written to people who had wronged him or the nation. One letter was written to General George Meade, who, um, who had refused to take advantage of Robert E. Lee's Confederate army when they were being defeated at Gettysburg? Abraham Lincoln said, fight, 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 go after him, attack. Meade had refused. That made the war last two longer, two more years. Each of the letters, though, that Lincoln had written, had this phrase written on it: Never sent, never signed. See what he did? He wrote his anger out, put it in his drawer until it cooled off. I wonder what might happen if we said, Lord, how do you want me to respond to that Facebook post? Right? We've all been there. How do you want me to respond to that person who really bugs me? When we fix our eyes on Jesus, it should change things, right? We refuse to look at other things that want to draw our attention away. He directs us where he wants us to be. His directions are never wrong. And I'll tell you what, he leads us to adventure, which is what he wants us to embrace. I was thinking of that uh, last, uh, last summer. Our uh, newest cha- church planner, I, I say, I oversee church planning in Chicagoland. And uh, our newest church planner arrived in Oak Park. And he's planning a church. He grew up in the Austin neighborhood. And he wanted to plant a church in Oak Park that reaches out into Austin as well as other places. Okay? So, uh, so Dwayne, I pulled up, and he said, I want to do a 10-day prayer walk. So I said, I'll join you one day. I pulled up in front of his place, and he got into the car. I said, where do you want to go? And he said this, I'm thinking Austin. What do you think? Now, you probably know Austin's one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in the city of Chicago. Of the 700-plus murders took place last year, over 10% took place in this one neighborhood. Okay? And so I looked at Dwayne, and I said, hey, let's go. God's going to go with us. So we, we drove over to Austin. We pulled up in the parking lot of the school that he felt drawn to. And uh, before we got out, I said, now, Dwayne, before we get out and pray and walk around, let's let me tell you what God gave me today as I read my Bible. Okay, so that morning, I'd read this verse in Acts 18. It was Jesus talking to Paul. Here's what Jesus said. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, I'm not going to let anyone attack or harm you because I have many people in this city. I showed that to Dwayne, and Dwayne looked at me and said, "Now that's what I needed to hear," because he said I've been afraid to walk here myself. So we went. We walked around Austin, and we prayed. We prayed for that area of the city. We prayed for the outreach going to be taking place into that city. And you know, we got finished with that walk. And I felt alive spiritually. Because I'll tell you what, when you focus and move, things happen. Now, I wish I could tell you I always focus that well. I don't. I, I miss it a lot of times, okay? But every now and then when I get it right, agnes bancha felt called to ministry when she was a teenager she did her ministerial training in ireland in india one day she approached her supervisors with a with a god-given passion she said i have three pennies and a dream from god to build a, to build an orphanage her superiors looked at her and said you cannot build an orphanage with three pennies it's not going to work you with three pennies you can't do anything agnes smiled and replied i know but with god and three pennies i can do anything and for 50 years agnes worked among the poor in the slums of calcutta and in 1979 the woman we know as mother Teresa won the nobel peace prize i'll tell you what guys when we step out to do something when we focus on jesus and step out there's always going to be people who say why we can't do what we're called to do or why we're not the right person to do what god's calling us to do we can't listen to them we must fix our eyes on Jesus and move, right? right? That's the call. That's the call. Let's, let me read it again. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. So the first step, focus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And the second step, focus and discard distractions now do you ever get distracted i was talking with my wife the other day in the kitchen when all of a sudden i said squirrel because there was a squirrel running across our backyard we don't have squirrels in our backyard it was very exciting to me okay and and i think that one right there very well defines my life okay honestly honestly there's always another squirrel okay that's one reason i enjoy my job i'm always in different places in chicago it's a lot of fun squirrels are everywhere okay so what happens when, we, when it comes to following Jesus? We've got to fix our eyes, and we've got to eliminate distractions. It's not a one-time thing, okay? It's something we have to do over and over and over again. And now, a couple of things are mentioned here that could be prohibitors of focus, okay? The first thing, we're told everything that hinders, we need to discard, okay? The, I have my, uh, my eight-pound uh, medicine ball with me today, okay? Now, I can, I can work out with this, okay? It's not bad at all, okay? I could carry this around with me pretty well, you know, quite a while, okay? Now, I I would, if I carried around for a long time, I I know I'd have to do this, right? Okay? I mean, that's just what happens when you have weight on you. It's tiring, okay? Can you imagine trying to run a marathon with this strapped to your back? Okay? It wouldn't be the smartest thing in the world, right? Because I know here's what would happen. Instead of focusing on finishing the race, before long, I'd be focusing on this weight I'm having to shift back and forth because... It gets heavy. Okay? Hindrances. okay? They can be anything that introduces distracting weight to our lives. It could be attitudes. It could be habits. It could be relationships with others. Uh, whatever it may be, these patterns become like cocklebirds that stick to our clothes and we have to strip them off. Okay, that's what, that's what we're told to do. In fact, we're told, here's what we do. We discard it. Okay, We get rid of it. Get rid of it. Okay, Everything that hinders, the weights. And then the second thing, the sin that so easily entangles. Now the visual imagery here, again, it's athletic. It's an athletic contest taking place. When runners would run a race back in Bible times, they would strip their clothes off because you can't run a race with a bedsheet tied around you. Right? Okay, you end up falling. Right? That's just the way it works. When Jesus called his first followers, they were fishermen. Jesus said, come, follow me. They were mending their nets. And we're told the first thing these guys did was to drop their nets. Because you realize you can't live life dragging a net behind you, right? Nets catch all kinds of things. Nets entangle. That's what they're designed to do. I was, uh, I was helping coach my, uh, my grandson's uh, soccer team. And I had to release their goalie from the net because he got, somehow got trapped in there. Okay? I said, you need some help? Uh-huh. Okay, because he was, well, anyway, you know, that's what, that's what nets do. So if, if we want to hold on to sin patterns, okay, things that are, are, are prohibiting us from fixing our eyes on Jesus, we can do that, but it makes it very difficult to follow. Okay, because the reality of it is, you, you can't look at two things at once. Okay, how do you hit two baseballs coming towards you? You don't. Okay? You just don't. Because the reality is, if if you're looking at two things at once, you're probably going to miss both of them. No. We fix our eyes on Jesus, and we remove the things that are going to hinder us moving. So, that's why we ruthlessly discard things. get in our way. That's why the author here says throw them off. Throw them off. So you can fix your eyes on who really matters and who will get us where we want to be. So my question is what are you going to do this week to set your focus? i got a couple ideas hopefully will help. First of all I want to encourage you spend time with Jesus and read this book. I really do try to do this every day. I know how weak I am. I need this. Today I read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five, six, and seven. Just good, good stuff. But I always try to. I always try to. Most well, most of the time I'm reading a gospel—Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John—along with other parts of the Bible because I want to see Jesus in action. I want to see him interact with people, and what I see him doing, I want to try to imitate. Oh, I fall short, but hey, I'm trying. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Spend time with him this week. Secondly, start your day with this question, okay? First of all, help me fix my eyes on you. And then the second part of that is, let me see those you want to bring into my sphere of influence today. Who do you want to bring into my sphere that I can impact? Now, guys, I guarantee you, you pray that prayer, God's going to bring people into your sphere of influence, okay? It it just works that way. So if we're we're fixing our eyes to Jesus, keeping our eyes open for the opportunities around us, opportunities are going to come. A couple of months ago, I was out walking on my my early morning walk. I go about 5 o'clock in the morning. It was dark. I'm walking down the road, and all of a sudden, this lady comes running out of her house and says, can you help me? I said, of course. I mean, that's just what you do, right? And evidently, her neighbor across the street had fallen. He'd been laying out in the driveway most of the night. Okay, It was cold. And uh so I can't get him up. So we went over and we helped him up. Waited for the ambulance to come. The ambulance came. He was in good hands. So I went on, uh, went on back to my house. Okay? But opportunities are all around us. People need help. Will you pray that prayer? Who do you want to bring around me today, Father? And then the third thing I want to ask you to do. Be a momentum booster to others. I'm a firm believer that spiritual growth does not happen in a vacuum. We need others around us. And in fact, I want you to think three directions. I want you to think those who are ahead of you in the faith. Because we all need encouragement from people. We need to be around people who have who have conquered hills already, who can help us conquer hills that we're coming up against too. So those people can encourage us forward. We also need people around us who are at the same, same age as us, of us spiritually. People who who we can encourage, and who can encourage us in the walk we're in right now. And we also need people who are behind us spiritually. People we can teach and bring along. Now you might say, who am I to teach anybody anything? Well, I'll tell you what. If you're a step ahead of somebody, you can teach them how to take that step. Right? So my encouragement is I want you to look for people in those three areas. Somebody who's ahead of you, somebody who's around you, and somebody who's behind you, so you can encourage, be encouraged, and be around people because we need each other approach life with that otra dia, otra aventura mindset another day, another adventure and as you fix your eyes on Jesus see what he opens up in front of you because I'll tell you what we were never meant to, be to live boring lives as followers of Jesus we are meant to live lives of verve and excitement bounce, bounce what would happen in this region if we at Westridge committed to fixing our eyes on Jesus and then following him wherever he led? I guarantee this region would be turned upside down for Jesus. And that's what we want. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for this church. I thank you for where you brought up at this point in time. Lord, we know it's not done. We know there's more adventure ahead. And I just pray you continue to open our eyes to the adventure you want us to live adventure you want us to experience lord let us be people who live with the another day another adventure mindset as we follow you and lord thank you for allowing us the privilege of following you in the powerful and precious name of jesus we praise you and we thank you amen